You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the original International Rugby League podcast for and by International Rugby League fans. I'm Michael Carboni. Let's go. What is up, Kangaroo Chasers, and welcome to another edition of the International Rugby League podcast, the original, the OG International Rugby League podcast. Of course, it's Chasing Kangaroos. Uh, I'm Michael Carboni. You can call me Carbs. If you've been around for a while, you know me as Carbs, and that's cool because it's been five seasons of this stuff. Absolutely loving it. Uh, first episode back for the year last year. Um, it was about why rugby league needs a pro competition in France. We had some awesome feedback, and I'll get to some of it in a moment. Um, tonight's episode, or today's episode, depending on when you're listening, was going to be an Ask Carbs, and well, it kind of is. Uh, but one of the questions was so juicy that I think I'm going to need a whole episode dedicated to it. So I want to I want to unpack that today. It's it's a question from K Wardell Five on Instagram. He asked, "How can the NRL take advantage of the American market?" Uh, and to me, I get questions like this all the time. Um, but it's usually about how to grow the game domestically in the states, how to make the US a powerhouse. Uh, but this question's slightly skewed. It's about the NRL brand. So how can the NRL brand become famous in the USA? And I think it's an interesting question and I want to unpack it. But first, like I said, last week, episode about why we need a pro rugby league team in France. It was inspired by our friend Gavin Willisey and a recent article um, in The Guardian. If you haven't listened to that, go back and do so. Um, and if you have... Um, then this feedback's going to make a lot of sense. If you couldn't be fucked going back and listening, that's totally cool. Maybe skip ahead a few minutes because this feedback won't make any sense. But had lots of great feedback from you guys. I love the community, getting into my DMs on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, of course, at Chasing Ruse Pod on Twitter, and it's at Chasing Ruse um, on Instagram and Facebook. So get around it. Always happy to hear your thoughts and feedback, guys. Um, like this. So we had some feedback on Facebook from Sean Johnson. Uh, not the Kiwi rugby league player, Sean Johnson, but good friend of the pod, Sean Johnson from Newcastle. He said, welcome back, mate. Um, and in relation to, so I spoke about an eight-team pro competition which launched in France in 1994. Um, so he wanted to talk about that a little bit because I didn't know too much about it, I must say. So the eight-team pro comp that was launched in France in 94 had a few problems one of which was it was founded and driven by a former French international union player and coach who was disgruntled with rugby union. A lot of the Triestines apparently just didn't get behind it. Um, also, the next year, um, Super League was launched and included Paris Saint-Germain um, and the whole French pro competition fell over. So thanks for sharing that with us, Sean. Like I said, that comp was slightly before my International Rugby League loving time. So good to get more info about it. And thanks for your feedback, as always, my good friend. Um, also had some really cool feedback on Twitter from at League Beyond. Um, so thanks for this, mate. He said, hey, mate, loved your first podcast of the year. A few points I thought of about the French game are. So number one, the system really helps support lots of Southern European and North African nations and creating a pro league could offer lots of pathways for other nations as well as France. Totally agree with you, man. Um, I did talk about a little bit of Southern Europe, so your Serbian, your Italians, your Greeks could really come through the system in France. I uh, didn't think about North America, and that's true. A lot of North American players could come through that those pathways as well. Uh, like I said, a third pro comp 
all it does is open up more pathways. And whether that be, it'll obviously be majority France in this case, but certainly opportunities for other nations as well, which I think is beautiful. Uh, league Beyond, he went on to say, number two, in order to create the income for a pro league, I think it would have to be only cities as the towns just aren't big enough to sustain pro teams. Although it is an incredible, tough, incredibly tough challenge to create the clubs and the marketing, etc., it might be worth looking at cities that have expressed an interest in hosting World Cup games for places that you could put a team in. I think Marseille haven't even expressed an interest. Fair call. Um, and that's the tricky part. Um, I mentioned last week that you know we've built out the two current pro teams we have at the moment have been built around Heartlands. So the NRL stemmed from the New South Wales Rugby League competition, which is why we have too many, so many, whichever way you want to spin it, teams in Sydney. Um, the rest of the growth came from obviously Queensland, another heartland, and then we start to expand out elsewhere. So that makes a lot of sense. You look at the Super League, it's all M62. Uh, I think it's all M62. No, no, obviously Catalan, sorry, but mostly M62. They need to grow out a little bit as well, but it's based around the heartland. Um, for me, I felt that a French team or French pro competition, sorry, would be based around that Octani heartland, uh, but you definitely need some of those big cities. Um, and it sounds like League, at League Beyond thinks that it needs to be skewed towards more of the bigger cities rather than those towns. And that's fine. I think you could be right. And number three, he says, I also think in terms of quality now, the top teams in Elite One could challenge top teams in the championship. It will take a, it will take a while until the teams would be able to compete with the teams at the top of Super League, but could quite quickly mix it with mid-table Super League teams, I reckon. Interesting feedback, man, because I know we know Toulouse is a top team in the championship. So how close are those other Elite One teams to Toulouse? I'm not sure. Um, they could probably mix it with... Look, I'm sure Elite One clubs could mix it with League One clubs, and, and probably the bottom of the championship, I'd say, man. So close, but again, up for debate. I guess we won't really know. Um, and the final point was, of course, uh, number four. Also, initially, I don't think the club should take many players from England. Currently, we're struggling enough with player pools. I think it could damage our system quite a lot if 20 to 30 players moved over to France. And I agree with that too. I don't think, I think the, a French pro league um, would look or need to look predominantly at, obviously, French players. Um, if they want some professional journeymen, then you're looking at Australia and New Zealand as opposed to England, I would say. Um, and then look at some of those other pathways we spoke about earlier. But, man, great feedback, and I really appreciate it. And j like I said, we had so much great feedback on last week's episode. They were just two of the comments that I really enjoyed and wanted to share with you guys. So I thought that was awesome. Keep it coming, guys. Thanks a lot. Now, over to today's episode um, or today's topic. Um, like I said, awesome question. We asked for some Ask Cubs questions. We got a lot, and I just really want to unpack this one in detail. So I wanted to give it the limelight or the spotlight that it deserves. So at kwadell 5 on Instagram, he asked, how can the NRL grow its brand in the USA? How can it take advantage of the American market? It's a really good question, um, and it's one that uh, Peter Valandi seems to to be a little bit interested in. Um, he wants to go over there to, I guess, exploit some some gambling dollars. I don't totally agree with that, um, but I certainly do agree, 
And I know a lot of our listeners will agree that there's a lot of opportunity there, that if rugby league could be a niche sport in the USA, it could be a good thing um, just due to population, dollars, uh, the love and passion for sport over there. And I do think I am a big believer that rugby league is a sport, and in particular the NRL. I'm going to I'm going to use the NRL brand as an example here because that's what this question is about. It's about growing the NRL brand. I think the NRL brand could very much be to the liking of many American sports fans. Uh, American sports fans, I think, would love what the NRL has to offer. Um, it's the greatest rugby competition in the world. Full stop. Uh, some of the best or definitely the best rugby athletes, but some of the best athletes in the world uh, are in the NRL. Um, big hits, fast plays, lots of skill. Um, I just think Americans would eat it up, and that's no secret. I talk about that a lot. We talk about that on the socials a lot uh, between myself and you guys, the listeners. Um, I know a lot of you agree. Um, so how can the NRL grow the brand? How can the NRL grow their brand in the USA? How can they find a little piece of that market? How can they monetize that market? Um, and to me, it's more than just thinking about, hey, let's let's try and get that gambling dollar. Uh, you know, let's talk about a ground zero. Um, what the NRL needs to do, if they're serious about growing their brand in the USA, um, it's long-term thinking. It's long-term investment in building interest and fans. It's not just a one-off ground zero it's not just all round zero. Sorry, guys. It's not just a one-off round zero. It's not just talking about taking state of origin there or, or anything like that. It needs to be serious, serious investment um, for a period of time. Um, so for me, it's split into three areas. And this is probably good not just talking about NRL brand, but brand in general, but there's three areas that the NRL should look at if they are serious about growing their brand in the USA. So there's, it's one is product. So how can we bring product to the USA? Second is visibility. How can we be seen? Because, you know, if you're not seen, then what chance do you have? And thirdly, it's always a big one when it comes to growing rugby league in general, but certainly in terms of growing the NRL brand, about opportunity and giving opportunity to Americans as well. And I'll, I'll, I'll break those down and I'll unpack those three um, a little bit as well. So in terms of the product, we've already touched on it. Um, round zero, um, we need to bring games to the USA uh, if we want them to get behind it, if we want Americans to understand the brand and get behind the brand and look forward to events. Um, now, round zero, it's not just one year. This needs to be like a five, I'd prefer a 10-year commitment. Like I'd want 10 years, um, if it's the same clubs every year, um, that would be great. You look, I would say, let's use for example, right? So you'd have like the Dragons because I love them um, and you'd probably have Souths because Russell Crowe might get behind it. Manly, you know, the Pens are living in, uh, the owner of the, the Seagulls based in the US at the moment, so there'd be something around that. And let's just say Melbourne as the other club for argument's sake. So every year for 10 years you have round zero, it's Dragons v Souths, it's Manly v Melbourne. You have that over two days. That's how I'd do it. The reason it's important to have four clubs at least, you don't want to have too much more, it can get expensive, but four clubs, at least you can have a weekend 
Um, you can have two games, two two headliner matches, I should say. But then those four clubs can then have a week off when round one is happening back here in Australia and then get straight back into it for round two and play a combination of each other. So it makes it fair. So the four clubs that have rested, they then come back, play each other. So then Dragons could play Manly in round two. Souths could play Melbourne in round two, just as an example. Again, guys, not suggesting it definitely has to be these clubs, but they make sense. And why wouldn't you want to build, as a club, if I'm the owner of the Dragons or CEO of the Dragons or owner of Souths, if I'm Russell Crowe, why wouldn't you want to build a rapport for your brand with a whole nother market that potentially could love this game, could love these clubs. So no brainer for me, but so that's what I'd be doing. So four clubs, if it's the same four clubs, great. Cause repetition is a great thing. Um, and it would be across the whole weekend. So the reason you have the two games across the weekend, you have, you make it an event. It's a Saturday and a Sunday. Now you want it to be ideally over time in a different city each year. But I think to begin with, um, you might want to do it in the same city two or three years in a row, build some interest, make sure it's a product that is, you know, that other cities might want to buy because I think local government can get behind it, could pay for it. Um, Promotional companies could pay for an event like this, especially if you're looking at, to start with, I think you'd look at like Los Angeles, you look at LA, uh, maybe Hawaii, you look at places that Aussies can get to semi-easily. Now, I know an eight-hour and a 14-hour flight, if you're looking at LA or Hawaii, sounds ridiculous to Americans, but for us Aussies, that's probably doable. Um, we could get around LA for a couple of weeks, you know, have a holiday around it, watch some rugby league as well, but also build interest in that city. So you're going to get some tourism, you're going to build up some interest. Um, the Denver test is a good example of the interest that you can build. So off the back of not very much, we saw New Zealand versus England, um, and it had like 22,000, 22, between 20 and 25,000 people there, um, which to me was phenomenal and something that we should have built on, but we didn't. So round zero every year, um, maybe started in LA, you have those four teams. And what you also do, so say you have like Manly Melbourne on the Saturday night, you have Dragon Souths on the Sunday night, they're your main events, but you also build in games in the lead up. So you might include... Um, on the Saturday before the Manly Melbourne game, you have two local clubs. So if you're in LA, maybe it's LA Mongrel and San Diego, San Diego Barracudas as the game leading into the main event, which is your NRL Manly versus Melbourne. And then on Sunday, you might have like USA versus Canada or something like that as your curtain raiser to the main event, which is your NRL your Dragons versus Souths. And I think that could be really good. You have a good mix of some local talent. Um, You let people know that, yeah, this game is played here as well. And here's some clubs you can get behind if you want to. Um, But then the main event is, of course, the NRL. And the way the NRL need to promote this, this is really important, right? Messaging is so important. Um, The way the NRL need to promote this when they come to town is not the typical... Um, yeah, it's like football, but without the pads. Um, that is typical. That is like the first thought idea that everyone would consider for something like this. And it's like the easy way in from an NRL perspective or what they would think. From a marketing perspective, I don't really agree with this. Like 
you're pretty much saying to Americans, hey, you guys are pussies and like, come and watch our sport. We're so tough and blah, 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 blah. That's not going to fly um, with the American audience, I don't think. I don't think you compare it with football and, you know, you're also at risk of football, like, you know, crushing you <laughs> as a sport over there. Um, they're going to do everything they can to try and block this new football, I guess. So you're not going to want that. But what you want to do is so like I think a lot of American sports fans at least know that rugby exists, whether they know much about it. They certainly wouldn't. Many of them know that there are two types of rugby. It's just the hardcore rugby league fans over there. Um, but you want they know that rugby exists, right? So you need to promote this as the greatest rugby competition in the world, full stop. They don't need to know it's league, not union. They don't need to, your, your average American sports fan doesn't need to know. We don't need to start explaining, oh, hey, you know, there's two types of rugby and this is third. No, you don't need any of that. You just say the best rugby league athletes in the world. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm now saying it. You just need to say the best rugby athletes in the world are coming to town. The best rugby competition in the world is here in your hometown and this is your chance to come and watch it. Um, that's what you need to do. Then they arrive, they watch it. It's 13 players. They probably won't even know the difference, right? And and to be frank, if it becomes a big enough thing every year, if they see rugby 15s, they go, hold on a second, that's not rugby. Like the NRL is rugby. You want them to associate the NRL with rugby and that's why it's important to build this up over time and that's why it's important that your messaging is not football without the pads but it's the best motherfucking rugby competition in the world and the best motherfucking rugby athletes are here to play in front of you guys. So that's what's important. So that's number one, product. Round zero, 10 years, uh, make it happen. Now, alternatively, if it's not round zero, then maybe it's a World Club Challenge. So maybe you get Super League involved as well um, and you have the best of the UK versus the best of Australia. Slight tweak, you know, in that you only have one game, so it's not the full weekend, um, but you could still get local clubs involved and stuff like that, or you could have US Canada involved as well. Um, but it's, it's, you know, the best rugby club from Australia versus the best rugby club from England. Um, that probably would be a bit of a lie because, you know, it wouldn't be the best rugby club from England because that's probably a rugby union club. So you'd have to tweak the messaging a bit. For me, we're talking about how to grow the NRL brand here. So for me, round zero is your best option, but throwing World Club Challenge in there um, as an alternative just for the sake of this conversation. So that's the product. That's how you get the product there every year. Make some noise, promote the fuck out of it, really get a town or a city to love rugby league over time and then start to spread it around. Um, so that's that's number one, product. Number two, visibility. Um, you can't be what you can't see. You can't be interested in something that you don't know about. So um, really important that somehow we get NRL on prime time because at the moment there might be a bit of NRL available at like two in the morning on like a soccer channel or you might be able to buy the NRL, watch NRL app, but why would the fuck would you because you don't even know what it is and it costs a lot. So at the moment there's absolutely zero visibility for the NRL um, in the USA 
And that's the problem. Like if you want to grow a brand and you have no visibility, I hate to tell you, but you're not going to grow that brand at all. I don't care how many uh, gambling dollars you think you can get, Mr. Volandis, all due respect, you're not going to get jack shit if there is no visibility. Um, so, And this is a tricky one because how can you sell rights? Um, you certainly can't really have live games um, that people will care about because it's on like early in the morning or late at night, depending on how you look at it. Um, so you really need to package it up differently. For me, I think back to when I was a kid watching like wide water sports or sports tonight and you'd have like the play of the day and the play of the day um, segment was like really cool like plays in the NBA or in like wrestling or in like NFL or whatever. So that's where I'd kind of learn about some of these competitions myself. You'd see a really outrageous sort of play or it could be other sports as well. It could be hockey, it could be European sports, you know, it could be like European handball or something. But you'd learn about just obscure sports or see some really cool plays from some of the biggest sports at the time. And this was at a time when you didn't really have, you had no streaming. We didn't really have like um, cable TV or Foxtel or anything like that. Like it was all relatively new kind of stuff. So the only way you'd find out about other sports was through like these sorts of shows, wide water sports and their play of the day segment. So I think you need to take that concept here as well. So you wouldn't have like, you wouldn't be able to get like, Live primetime NRL in the States, no one cares. So what you need to probably do is put together a um, a best of or like just a, a highlights show, a highlights NRL show. And it probably starts off as a YouTube show and it could be half an hour, 40 minutes, an hour, whatever. Um, the NRL needs to be able to, you know, give this footage for free as part of this one-hour highlights package. Um, it's not, I would probably propose even starting it on YouTube or something like that because none of the big networks are going to give a fuck or pay for it. Um, and if you give it to them for free, they're not going to respect it or play it at a, at a good time. So you probably want to start it on YouTube, hopefully build it up, and then hopefully, hopefully, the big hope is that a network does eventually buy it because it has some popularity on YouTube. If not a network, then maybe you look at like a streaming platform, you know, could a Netflix or an Amazon, can we think outside the square? Could it be something like that? Now, being YouTube, anyone can watch it around the world, right? Which is really cool. But because we're talking about branding the NRO in America, you want it to be an American production. So you want to have American commentators talking about it. Uh, you want it to be produced in America. But of course, all the content, all the footage comes from the NRL, right? Um, and if I do say so myself, I think our Rugby League in America boys, Nate, Dustin, Lance, Jimmy, I think these are the people that, or people like that that we should be looking at to put something like this together. So NRL, if you're listening, Chasing Kangaroos Media is available. Shameless plug. Uh, let's get some American voices using f footage from the NRL putting together a primetime um, highlights, NRL highlights package every week. Start it on YouTube, grow the popularity, Hopefully one day you can get it somewhere bigger. And as, you know, rounds, again, the product is there. Round zero is happening every year. People are interested. They want to see more. This is the only place they can find out more. Eventually the, the highlights package is on primetime. Eventually maybe you have live NRL on a, on a, on a more suitable time. 
Uh, there can be things worked out there or people are staying up to watch live NRL in the same way that, you know, fans of um, the Premier League stay up to watch here in Australia. That's that's not out of the realms of possibility. Uh, or maybe people are happy to watch it delayed. Or maybe this primetime thing just sort of takes off. But that's you need to build up visibility. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, it takes a lot of work. It may not work, but... Hey, I reckon Chasing Kangaroos Media can make it work. So NRL, if you're listening, let us know. So that's product and that's visibility. Now, the final thing you need is opportunity. And I talk about opportunity a lot when I talk about growing our game around the world. Um, But you want to give Americans an opportunity to play the sport at the highest level as well. Because I know that if there's an Aussie in the NBA, I take interest. You know, if an Aussie's you know, in the grand final of a grand, sl- oh, sorry, in the final of a grand slam tournament, I'm interested in the tennis. If an Aussie is playing for a Premier League club, I'm interested in soccer. That's that's just how it is. So, you want to see people like you being successful. And if we can somehow get an American or open up a pathway for Americans into the NRL, then that's how we build opportunity. That's the third thing. Um, so, obviously, going to be very tricky. There's certainly some talented athletes, though over there. Um, and there's plenty of people, uh, plenty of Americans that don't make it to the NFL. We've talked about this all the time. They don't make it to the NFL. And if they could learn some rugby league skills, then maybe given the opportunity, they might be able to make it in the NRL or at least the systems below it. Um, so I think we should put an effort if we want to build the NRL brand in the USA market we should put an effort into trying to find talented athletes that can come into the pathway and maybe give them an opportunity. Um, So I would propose having some sort of American All-Stars combine. That's what I'd call it. Shit name. So let's think of something else. But for now, the working title, it's an American All-Stars combine. Um, The goal is to get American-born athletes into the NRL system. So what you're doing is you're looking at um, maybe high school level, like under 18s. Uh, if you have to go a bit older, then maybe college level. So guys that aren't quite cut out for the NFL, but that might be a bit too old. So I'm thinking we've got to start high school 18s level, right? You find athletes um, around the country. You tell them about this opportunity to go to Australia for four weeks and play the best rugby players of your age group in the world. Um, So you're putting together a squad of players that you can train intense training for a short period of time, give them an opportunity to come to Oz for the the holiday of a lifetime, but they get to play some sport as well. And then while they're here, they're playing, you know, under 18s, New South Wales, under 18s, Queensland, hell, even under 18s like Victoria, or you take them to New Zealand as well. You put these guys, these athletes, after some intense rugby league training, up against the very best we have to offer over here. Um, Scouts are watching, super important, all the clubs are there, uh, and maybe two or three of these guys get contracts and come into the system. Now, they can have like a year in the system, they can learn, they can have the year of their life studying abroad, playing rugby league, learning about the sport, and a year later they can go back home, take those skills back with them, go back to college, try and get into the NFL, or if they're really good, they have an opportunity to stay on. Stay in the system. And you do this every year, right? The American All-Stars Combine happens every year. 
you know, the best 25 or 30 kids from the States with some intense rugby league training. They come across for a four-week period in the pre-season. You know, they're playing the best that we have to offer. We see who's got what it takes and we give a couple of kids an opportunity every year. Um, eventually, you're going to get some talent in the NRL. Um, I think it's not going to be a huge costly exercise. And I think that if you get a few absolute champions through and more and more start coming through, only good things can happen. Um, you're going to get some interest from the States. You're going to get some good American players going to help our game internationally. And it could actually have some good side effects domestically over there as well. All of these things, product, visibility, opportunity, all three of these points actually have some good side effects for our game domestically. And that's what I do. It's, it's a no-brainer. This isn't like rocket science rocket surgery, brain surgery, rocket science, whatever it is, whatever the saying is, it's none of that. It's really simple. We need to give Americans the product. We need to make our product visible, our game visible, and we need to give Americans an opportunity to be a part of it. And that's how you grow the NRL brand in the USA. Really simple, really simple. Maximum effort, you know, put in the money, you're going to get paid 10x. You're going to see results 10x, maybe more, if you put in the groundwork and you're prepared to invest right now. And that's how I do it. Now, guys, I might be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. Again, um, I know you're going to give me feedback. Twitter, at Chasing Roos Pod, Michael Carboni. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, DM me, message me, whatever you like. Let me know if you have any other ideas, if I'm doing it wrong. If you think I'm right and I'm an absolute fucking champion, let me know as well. I love that stuff. I live for it. No, just kidding. But um, that's how I do it. Uh, that's it from me. I'm Michael Carboni. Thanks for chasing kangaroos with me.